All right. So, Dean, go ahead and get us started off. Well, let me open in prayer. Um, Lord, thank you so much for today, for bringing us together once again, and just giving us time to fellowship, to learn, and to look at your word for our guidance and our, our life, our direction. Um, it grows our faith and our strength, and it grows this body, and we are grateful for, for all that you do for us, Lord. Um, please help us study and learn together, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so back in chapter 5, um, I did ask at the end of the class if anyone had questions um, for the last, last couple chapters. So if you had any, now would be a good time to bring those up. Yes, Joe? Please ask a question. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a review. Yeah, we're, we've already. Yeah. Okay. You, you, you asked a question. Very good, Joe. Thanks for participation. <laughs> we're going to try. You know, we could get held up if we get lots of good, good interaction. But. Okay. Well, if there's nothing on the last four chapters that you want to discuss, diving into chapter five. Um, chapter 5 talks a lot about the results of justification. We switched um, kind of gears, and, and we're talking through justification. Paul's teaching through this, um, and it just starts off with some very beautiful verses that help us and encourage us all as believers. And it's not just for us, but for our, our body in Christ. Um, saying, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with with God through Jesus, uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained our introduction or access. Remember, we talked about that word by f faith into this grace in which we stand and we exalt in hope of the glory of God. So, we're looking at the encouragement and peace for believers as they rest in their knowledge and their trust and their hope and in their faith of our Lord and what He has done for us. Now that we know where we're at and that we have true faith in what we believe in, um, we are able to, to rest in that peace. What's your feedback on, on that? What do you guys think when you read through those verses and how you can use that to uh, direct your own life? Okay, yeah, yeah, we find excitement and joy and peace knowing that uh, we're in the faith. Um, Paul goes on just in the next couple verses talking through tribulation and uh, how that we can exalt in tribulation. Now, would, would normal uh, worldly people be able to exalt in, in tribulation? Yeah. 
we go through really difficult times in life, whether it be death, illnesses, so on, um, when we don't have Christ, man, the, the, the ability to go through that is so much more difficult, uh, almost impossible. And that's why you see uh, tremendous, now it doesn't mean that Christians don't get depressed, but you see a lot of depression and a lot of locking yourself away when you go through really difficult times. I know when I went through the loss of my father at 18, I went through some really good struggles. Um, and, and it was really difficult, but through it, Christ brought me back to him and, and was able to get me through that. Whereas if I was just an unbeliever on my own, um, who knows where I would have gone when I lost my dad. And so having, uh, having faith and, tr and being justified and having that peace when you go through uh, the tough times, it, it brings that perseverance. It brings the, the hope and the, 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 remember that word hope. What is the, when the word hope is used here, what is it referring to? Okay, what is, what, when we think of hope as Americans, what do we think of? Just the word hope. If I were to say, yeah, I wish, right? I, I wish for something. When the scripture uses the word hope in this context, it is not in a wishful thinking. It is a very uh, firm uh, action. So, Yeah, absolutely. And as Christians, we always look to Christ and what he's done for us and what our lives are now eternally for that hope, right? Um, where we weren't able to do that before. And now we can, no matter what we go through, no matter what, what life looks like, if it's, if it's good or bad, if it's easy or rough, um, but especially in, in the hard parts, if you lose loved ones or if you lose a job or if you lose a house or if uh, persecution begins in this, this country or uh, where we live, which hasn't happened in our lives yet, but if that comes... Our, our hope is still staked in uh, Christ and what he did and what he's done for us eternally, right? Because no matter what happens to us in this life, that we have that hope of um, being with him. And it's not a wishful hope of uh, the, like the American dream kind of hope, right? It's a certainty. It's absolute. It's for sure uh, because God's word is, is completely solid. And, and we can trust on that versus anything man does. Okay, so from that we get peace, right? That's where that peace comes from, knowing that no matter what happens, uh, that we have that righteousness of God on our side because he's given it to us through, through Christ on the cross. Yeah, there's not, there's not like this chance that it's not going to happen because, yeah, that's what a lot of hope is based off, right? Oh, I got a 50-50 chance that I'll, I'll get this or that'll happen. So that's, yeah, that's different kind of hope um, and not the hope that Paul's 
talking about here at all. Yeah, whatsoever. when we taught through it, we brought up the analogy of oftentimes, but you know, right now the NBA playoffs are on, and every both sides are hoping that their team wins, right? It's, there's a chance that they might not, so it's a hope, it's a wish. Um, what's that? <laughs> uh, the National Banana that is League. your question. That doesn't count because it doesn't pertain to weight. <laughs> <laughs> Mm, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, let's jump into where sin comes from. Do you remember what this chapter talked about? What verse? We we know where verse is. What verse does it talk about? Where sin comes from? Twelve. Sorry, I just sat down. Which chapter are we? Five. Chapter five. Yeah. You want to read verse twelve for us, Joseph? (laughs) (laughs) you're in the Romans class we're in chapter 5 today (laughs) yeah read read verse 12 out loud alright then Paul goes on to talk through the results of that right until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam till Moses. So then he goes on talking about sin and how it's affected everyone, everyone that's been alive in this earth. Why is that important to know and be able to articulate where sin came from? articulate it, um, especially in the state in which we live, making sure that we understand sin isn't just something that is a, a cause or it just happened. It, it happened, started with Adam, and, um, and it was passed through all men. And then you bring in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. And so people cannot get out of, well, I'm, I'm a good person. Um, well, you might, in humanistic eyes, you might think you're a good person. You ha- you're not in prison. Um, but, um, 
at, in God's sight is what really matters. And that's what we are wanting to always get back to in, in bringing our, these conversations biblically, is that we got to be careful. We don't want to put our humanistic viewpoints in it. And humanistically, we all think we're good people. In God's eyes, we're not. The only thing that makes us good is his righteousness. Through his righteousness is where we're good. And so understanding that we all are sinners and sin started all the way back with Adam um, is, is a very important part of sharing the gospel. Now, some key points we went over in this lesson. Um, it was uh, verses 12 through 17. But we taught on we are, not, or we are charged with sin, not because of sin, but because of our sin nature. And we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. We are all under the curse of sin, which is death. So the imputation means credit to the account or the charge to the account of, right? So Paul's talking about all that right here in chapter 5. And it is. It's important for us to, to try and think through that if we're having conversations with folks out uh, around the neighborhood or at work or anything like that. Um, chapter 5 really outlines where sin comes from and how it affects us, right? And, and why we are uh, charged with that. It's because of that nature that we are in, in Adam. Any other thoughts on where sin or how we could use that or that make sometimes when we make that statement that we don't sin because why why do we sin? Why do we sin? Because we're sinners. Okay, that that's a very important understanding um, to have. That the reason why we sin is because we're sinners. We're not sinners because we sin. So, yeah, Moses, or the, the statement there in uh, verse 13 um, and 14 um, is basically what Paul is saying is the law gave us the understanding of sin, right? Without the law, we didn't know really what sin was, um, but we still were sinners because of the nature of sin given to us by Adam. And so we couldn't, the, the, the people that lived from the time of Adam to the time of the law did not have the excuse, well, I didn't know. Because sin, they, every act they did was a sinful act, regardless if they knew it or not, just like a child. A child that um, disobeys as a one- or a two-year-old might not fully comprehend that they're disobeying or doing something wrong, 
coloring on the walls, or, but it's still a sinful act. They might not understand it, but their nature is still sinning. And so that's what Paul is really addressing here is even though the people that didn't have the law, which uh, reveals our sin, they were still sinners because of their nature. And that's what that's all getting back to is we're sinners by nature. Yeah. And then, and then Paul ends, uh, of course, these weren't chapters, right? We've gone over that many, many times. Uh, it, it's a full letter. It's a letter written out. But how, the, how they've divided this out for us, it, it ends the chapter with Paul then um, comparing that to what Christ did on the cross, right? And how his grace just abounds all the more. Um, and he compares it in a similar way, and then he contrasts it in a, in a different way where um, his gift of the justification that he gave is so much more than what the original sin from Adam uh, caused and, and how much more it abounds and continues to grow and grow because of our acknowledgement of the law, right? So through the end of chapter 5, Paul results back to that and wants to point that out. He, he continues to call it the free gift, the gift, the gift, the free gift, as we see in verses 15, 16, um, and down through the end of the chapter, this gift is what Christ did for us to pay for those transactions. Chapter 5 is pretty big. Um, you know, we went through it and how many? One, two, three, four, five. Took took five lessons, uh, which was which was quite a bit. We were going quite a bit quicker through the other chapters, but um, you know we could spread that out even more if we were to go back through it. But chapter five is important. It's it's good for us to be rooted in that chapter and understand. Uh, what it has in there for the whole world and for us to understand it as, as Christians and believers so that we can share the gospel, so that we can preach the gospel to others and, and share truth from our heart and love to them and, and know where we came from too, right? So we don't take any pride in anything that we're doing, but that we can share this free gift um, through the preaching of, of God's word to, to others. So, any questions in fives before we jump into six? I don't have a question, but I just have a comment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the world in general just wants to believe that people are, yeah. are generally good, right? Yeah. Okay. So our scenario is Sally is depressed. Sally's a believer. She's your friend. Last week we talked about Bob. Bob wasn't a believer. But let's say Sally's a believer, but she's depressed and doesn't understand why she keeps sinning or where grace comes from. What do you tell Sally? So 
What's that? Okay, so think of yourself in a coffee shop type scenario or out for lunch or brunch or something and you're sitting down with Sally and she's opening her heart up to you mm -hmm. um, and says, hey, I, I'm really depressed. Um, I, I don't know why I keep sinning. And, um, you know, what about this grace? Where does it come from? I don't fully understand. How, what, what kind of answers are you going to give her based upon what we have learned here in uh, this chapter? So what, what if she's a young Christian and wasn't raised in any kind of, that, that's kind of where we're at. So she's, she doesn't know where to turn to Scripture. That's kind of what this is driving us to is we don't want to use general terms and say, hey, Sally, well, you need to just read your Bible and it'll help. But be pointed, Sally, read this, read this, go here. So that's kind of the direction we're wanting to go. Go ahead, Stacey. I interrupted you, but I was just, I wanted to make sure that we were, we want to give answers through Romans and verses and read this specifically. Right. That's kind of the direction. Well, it sounds like she's not understanding sin nature either. Mm -hmm. So Romans would be good So obviously we're in chapter five, but where else, if you're, if she's saying she's depressed, that she's constantly sinning, where else would you be able to take her within the scope of this lesson to reassure her as a believer that she doesn't need to be depressed about this? Where would you take her?
We, so. Okay. Yeah, we don't. We want to make sure she understands that she's going to sin, but she's depressed. So where would we turn? Where would you turn to give somebody a really good, strong reassurance that you are a believer and there's no reason to be uh, downtrodden about, uh, you want to be grieved over your sin, but not depressed by it? Where would you go? Because depression and how could God love me, he's, you know, he's got to think I'm the worst person. Where would you turn? Yeah. So specifically, that, that not only did, did were we graced from this, but because of the wrath of God, we we have we have no reason to go to that because we we surely die. We won't be purged from. There's there's one verse I'm looking for. You know, it's in Romans. It's in chapter eight. No, eight one. What does eight one say? There is no condemnation, okay? What a wonderful way of giving hope. So you would take them to five, and then you would go to eight to give some more hope. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's lots of it in there. Is depression sin? No. It can lead to sin, okay? But it is not sin, um, a lack of faith in Christ is sin, uh, so on. But a lot of, like you were saying, depression, a lot of it is a chemical imbalance. And so, you know, it, it can, I, I would say depression in and of itself is not sin, but it can lead to sin. All right. Great. <clears throat> Good discussion. Thanks, everyone. We've got to move on to chapter 6. Um, believers are dead to sin and alive to God. Now we're talking through walking in the newness of life, um, slaves to the one you obey, slaves of sin are free in regards to righteousness, and then it ends the chapter with the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. So as we look through this, Paul's starting to ask now on, on what he's just taught through some rhetorical questions. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Mark? No. <laughs> <laughs> do it, May it do it never be. No, yes. he said. <laughs> yeah. Emphatically, Paul says, absolutely not. Yeah, very important. There is a there is a belief out there that really thinks that you live. You, it, um, the the way it was explained when I was a kid is you get saved for fire insurance. The only reason you get saved is so you don't go to hell. 
and you accept Christ, and then live however you want. Uh, and Paul emphatically says, no, that's not right. <laughs> and it's good to know where these verses are, right? You're going to have people say, well, you know, I'm, I'm under grace. And live however I want. No. No, 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 no. So Paul then goes into explaining, obviously when he already just talked about where sin came from and how it was given to all, all sin because of Adam. Um, now, he's, now he's talking how that we are slaves of sin, right? We don't have an option not to be uh, as unbelievers. And it's not until Christ, uh, His death and resurrection that he becomes master over all of that um, for us, right? Not that he wasn't already himself, but it's imputed to us as well. So then our allegiance doesn't go to this life of sinfulness anymore, that we are, are free from that. Before that, we were, we were free in regards to righteousness, right? Verse 20 says, For when you were slaves of sin... You were free in regard to righteousness. So you were slaves and you were held captive under sin, um, and, and you were free of any righteousness. You didn't have to really worry about that because it wasn't going to happen anyways. But now that Christ has done his work on the cross, um, that, that is no longer the case. And now we aren't slaves to that anymore. We are, we are slaves to him, right? That's how Paul started this whole letter back in... Uh, chapter 1, that he was a bondservant or a slave of Christ our Lord from the beginning. And we are too. We are slaves to that which we obey. And that's that battle. And as Paul gets into this chapter and then we go into chapter 7, we see that struggle come out. And it really gives a lot more um, understanding of sin and the struggle that there is between these two natures that now we are living with as believers There's two different um, may-it-never-be's in this chapter. One is addressing one way of sinning, and another way is addressing another. So in verse 1, um, what is Paul addressing? What is Paul addressing in verse 1? But, how, but, but they're, they're, they're both have that understanding, but... In verse number one, it says, should we say then, are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? So the understanding is, I'm going to keep sinning so God looks even better. His grace looks even better. So I'm just going to keep sinning because the more I sin, the more graceful God looks. And Paul says, absolutely not. And then he gets to verse 15. It says, what then? Shall we sin because we are under uh, not under the law, but under grace. Okay, so now he addresses, you're no longer under the law, so I can live however I want. I'm under grace. And grace gives me the freedom to live whatever way I want, and so if I sin, I sin. It doesn't matter because I'm under grace. Both are very humanistic way of, I'm just going to fulfill my flesh. And we, uh, this a lot of times is you're going to be talking uh, I would say more often to believers that are in sin and not being or professing believers that are living a sinful life, this would be a great passage to take them and get them to understand 
this is not okay. Scripture mm -hmm. does not give you the license to live however you want. And Paul clearly states that in these two verses. It wouldn't make sense that Christ would come to save us from our sins so that we could just keep sinning. Yep. Yeah. Although we still will, which we'll get in chapter 7. But so, <laughs> so you were talking to Sally. You encouraged her. You, she said she was depressed. She couldn't understand where sin comes from. Um, you've talked through some of Romans, and now you maybe you read through chapter 6 with her, and she goes, oh, wait a minute, so now I can live any way I want, right? That's going to make God look better, because His grace is just going to grow with the more I sin. Is that what you're trying to say, and, and how do you respond to her with that? Right. So as, you know, as believers that have fellowship with one another, I mean, this, this is a chapter that we should look to to um, talk with, with our brothers and sisters as you see them live their lives. And if you spend time with them and you know they're doing um, some stuff that, that looks sinful, it sounds sinful that their hearts aren't set on Christ, um, with, with your loving gentleness, you know, this is a, a good way to point to his word, not ourselves being the judge, but, but God's word and, and reminding them that, hey, we're slaves of one of two things. And um, now that we're, we're in Christ, you know, we, we have the option not to sin, right? Now that we're in Christ, we do. And, and as believers, we, we need to remind each other that, especially when um, someone might be struggling or, or getting worldly minded over anything. It could be money, it could be work, it could be um, just what we're doing in our, our spare time or, or anything like that, how we treat others, stuff like that. Right. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Paul ends this chapter in verse 23, which does remind us exactly of that, that the wages of sin is death. And, and all, all sin leads to death. And sin of believers put Christ on the cross. Right? We, we put him there. And, and the pain that he endured was for our sin too. Not just what was going on in that time, but for ours as well. 
That's what yeah. that's the way it works, right? Yeah, but then we I, I, grew, I grew up as a pastor's kid in California, <laughs> and uh, the kids on the playground would say, "Well, you can't do that. You're the pastor's kid." <laughs> they could, yeah. you know. It usually revolved around movies or whatever. I grew up in a little more strict uh, environment, but yeah, you can't go to movies because you're the pastor's kid. But we can, and, and a lot of times that is is what happens. You you don't want to be held to a standard. Uh, that's high, um, and, uh, and we, we should be. Yeah. Yeah. We all we all are charged. There are some charges given to the pastors, given to you know myself and Tyler and Jeremy, um, but I don't think that gives everyone else a pass. That well, they they don't have to live in, in a certain way. We just have to hold to those standards to hold the office and be able to rightly share God's word. And it but should it, be an example of how yeah. everyone should live, right? Exactly. Okay, we got 15 minutes and we got two more chapters to cover. But this is good. We've had a good <laughs> conversation. That's what Dean and I were hoping for. So Right. Okay. okay, jumping into chapter 7. The conflict of two natures bound to the law versus being released from the law is the first half of that as Paul talks through it. Yeah, Paul, talk, Paul talked about what the law did for him, how he lived before he knew of the law, and then once he was aware of the law, um, what, what it did to him in his sinful life, right? It actually exposed him to more sitting because he didn't know what um, coveting was until he learned of it, and then it, it was a sin that actually continued to grow in him more and more as he knew about it. Um, and he was, uh, it, it didn't help him sin less because of where his heart was before he was converted. But it definitely pointed out his sin. Paul here clearly as well identifies two different natures, right? Two different natures. Um, that we have a sinful nature and a righteous nature. And if you read down through here, you'll, you'll see that. Because in verse 17 it says, So now no longer am I the one doing it, but the sin which dwells in me. Well, that could be a confusing passage if you didn't understand. Paul is talking about the nature. And if when Paul says no longer I, he, the I is referring to that new nature, that righteous nature. That's not what is sinning. It is the sin, the sin nature within me. And so there's a battle going on in uh, chapter 7 here um, from 14 to the end where Paul clearly identifies, I'm going to struggle with sin for the rest of my life. Um, but my righteous nature is going to war against that. And remember as we taught through this, some, some might say this was Paul before he was saved, um, but we wouldn't take that stance necessarily as uh, 
we read through it, we realize, you know, this, this is ourselves, right? As we're all saved and we're believers and we see this battle raging inside of us, um, wanting to do good, and then we do the opposite of that. And Paul's identifying that, and he's, uh, he's helping this church in Rome understand that as well, as well as helping us through it, right? The more we learn from him through this, that we aren't going to be perfect, um, that if Paul struggled with sin after Christ <laughs> knocked him down and brought him to him, right? He is now uh, the slave of Jesus Christ and no, not the slave of sin, and he still sins. He's identifying with, with everyone that's in the body still. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely recognize it. And that's what Paul yells at the end, right? Wretched man that I am. Right? He's ready to be done with this body because he realizes this physical body is leading us to, to sin every day. Every single day. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's where we're going with the Sally out. Uh, is she, she doesn't stop sinning, but she thinks maybe she isn't saved because her, her friend told her Christians can't sin anymore. <laughs> so what do you point to, what do you point to in Romans to, to help her uh, understand truth a little better? It's important, to, it's important to realize, as Dean had stated earlier, uh, there are beliefs out there that chapter 7 is talking about unbelievers. Okay? And it's important to be able to articulate why we believe that this is talking about believers. Because if it's talking about unbelievers, it's not helpful to those that are sinning while they're a believer. Right? That's not, it's not a helpful passage to take them to. But because it's talking about... Paul as a believer, and the verses that we'll, we'll just point out quickly, verse 19, for the good that I want to do, I don't do, but, the, uh, but I practice the very evil that uh, I do not want. A believer is the only one that's going to be able to make that statement. An unbeliever is only going to practice evil. They don't want to do good. And then if you go to... Um, Verse 22, for I joyfully concur with the law of God in my inner man. A, an unbeliever would not make that statement. An unbeliever couldn't make that statement. They don't joyfully concur with the law of God. All right, and so very important that we identify that we do uh, believe and be able to articulate why we believe that. So uh, we will sin, and Christians... Uh, we'll never become sinless until we are made new. Okay? Very good. All right. We got the toughest chapter, and we have 10 minutes to cover it. So here we go. <laughs> chapter 8. Now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Thank the Lord for that. We got to hold on to that verse, cling to it, and just be ready um, to, to share that with all of us who um, may waver in, in faith and hope at some points in our life and our brothers and sisters who, who might have that uh, happen in their life too. It's, it's, it coincides with uh, chapter 5, verse 1 as well, where we, where we find our peace in God. And it's because of this. Those two go hand in hand together. And Paul reiterates that in a very strong way here and starts this, this beautiful chapter off with that. Once we've gone through all of the chapters so far in, in this letter to the church in Rome, um, Paul's laying that out at this point after he talks about how sinful he is and he continues and he doesn't do the things he wants to do, but he does the things he doesn't want to do. And he recognizes it's, it's evil dwelling within him. But here's our reassurance. Here's our solid, completely confident hope um, that there's no other chance. There's a 0% chance that it, that it won't happen, that we won't be in Christ, that we won't be saved, and that we won't be condemned, right? Um, so he is reassuring that for everyone right here. And it's, it's very strong. We need to remember this every day of our lives. We need to tell ourselves this and read it and believe that versus what our, our heads and our hearts tell us otherwise. If you write in your Bible, I have written in mine uh, in verse uh, 1 of chapter 8, uh, therefore there is no condemnation. I have no circled condemnation circled. And then I have in circled okay the word in that's a very important <clears throat> you left that in out then that would mean that no one is condemned but understanding those that are in christ jesus is very important and very very reassuring and comforting because you get down uh to eight uh verse eight it says and those who are in the flesh cannot please god so that word in is a big deal. It identifies where you're at positionally. Yeah, verse 7 is important, um, explaining that too, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God. Okay, if we stop right there and remember uh, what, what we learned and what we've taught, what we know about God's word is we're, we're all in that position, right? Positionally, we are all hostile towards God before we come to faith in Christ. Um, that's where our first nature is. That's where we begin out of the birth of the womb from Adam. That's, that's where we're at. That's where everyone is at. Uh, it does not, the mind does not subject itself to the law of God, or is it? Because it's not even able to do so. Right? We've talked through that too. How is a mind able to have faith in our Lord and Savior? How is that, how is that possible? Salvation is entirely a work of God. Amen. 
Yep, absolutely. Exactly. We can't boast about it. Exactly. Okay, the law of the Spirit sets you free from the law of sin and death. What does that mean? That's verse 2. Verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. What does that mean? <laughs> All right, go for it. Right. Yes. We have the ability to no longer, we have the ability to not sin. Yes. Where before. Right. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Good. Okay. So, yeah, we're not under obligation to the flesh anymore, right? We can't only choose what is in our flesh, we can't only choose to sin. Now, Paul obviously identified that we still do. He still does. But we aren't subject to that and that alone, which leads us to death because we are in the righteousness of Christ now. Okay, and then with all that in mind, then we, then we get to the uh, middle and end of chapter 8. And one of the, the most well-known verses in Romans, chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. So this is a stipulation verse, right? Only those that love God. So if you're a believer that is not loving God at this point in time, this verse does not apply to you. Is that right? <laughs> if you're struggling with God and you're, you're falling away... Uh, this verse doesn't apply to you. Good, Stacy. Good. I love the look of cross-eyed. Mark, grr, teaching here. Yeah, grr. this is good. Good. Hey? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. So, what is this teaching? What does it mean for those that love God? What does that mean? Sounds like a stipulation, doesn't it? Okay. This is not, it's not a stipulation verse. For those that love God is another way of saying those that are believers. Okay? So it's not a stipulation verse. Only those believers that actually love God will all things work together for? No. If you're a believer, you love God. That those are synonymous. Okay? Remember back to verse 7. Um, the mindset in the flesh is hostile towards God, and it doesn't subject itself to the law. Because it's not able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So it's, that verse is not talking about 
anyone but believers. And it's talking about all believers. Yep. Because once you're in, you're, there's no condemnation. It's done. Yeah, he'll and he, he he'll never lose what he has gained, right? Right. The end of the chapter ends with that. Um, after Paul talks about God foreknew us and predestined and called and justified and glorified those who believe, and nothing can separate the love of God from that believer. Nothing, nothing at all whatsoever. And that that should be so much encouragement to our our person. Sally, right, as, as we're talking to her. Um, yes, we're going to continue in sin, um, but we have, we have the obligation not to, right? We have the obligation to serve Christ and to live like He lived, and we, we work through that in our lives, and we learn. And as we grow in our belief and we become more mature in that, then um, our, our lives will reflect that too. Uh, but it takes time, and it's not going to happen all at once. But nothing's ever going to separate us from that love, ever. It's, it's solidified. There's no chance. There's no chance that it won't happen. That hope is a solid, perfect hope that only God can provide for, for all that believe in Him. Yep. No nope. condemnation, no separation. Okay, very good. Any last questions, comments? New ideas? <laughs> yeah, what happened to Sally? Okay, you guys answer. You're the class, you got to answer. Sally asked why she's saved and her friends are not. So are you saying you're saved by your servitude? I'm saying that that she can that that's why she is saved and that her friends are not is because she served the Lord, yes. Okay, so Yeah. So your point number five there. He foreknew, he predestined, he called, he justified. Okay. Salvation is entirely a work of God. Uh, Romans um, 4, Romans 5, uh, Ephesians 2, um, all, uh, and there's other places as well that talk about we don't do anything work-wise for salvation. So uh, our, our salvation is entirely a work of God. Uh, God, um, as, as we've gone over, he foreknew us, he predestined us, he called us, he justified us, and he will glorify us. And so the answer to Sally of uh, why her friends are not saved yet, uh, and that's a, and it's an important that the, um, the word yet isn't in there, but I would make sure I emphasize that. 
uh, is we don't know who God has foreknown, who he has chosen. Our job as believers is to share the truth of the gospel, to share the gospel with everyone. God does the saving. We just do the sharing. We do what he's asked us to do out of obedience, and that's share the gospel. Uh, God is the one who saves. And so when you get a question is why my friends aren't saved or how come my parents died, and aren't, that's not a question that <clears throat> we can answer outside of saying God is the author of salvation and God gives life to whom he gives life to. And our job is to share the gospel with them. And God is the one that does the saving. We don't do the saving. We don't save ourselves. God is the one that does the, re all, the entire work. Our job is just to share the amazing good news. Mm -hmm. okay? That's why I said it. Because it's her choice to be a fully Christian. It's a, it's a openly declare of the Lord's salvation. So I'm not saying that she saved herself, but, but also that she is, she is openly serving the Lord. And that's, that's why they would call her, label, label her, you know, we're being sent to slaughter. Well, her question would be say, uh, asking, why am I saved? My friends aren't. Well, but it's not. It's right. Well, no. Yeah, we're good. Okay. Well, this this is it's good line of questioning. And if uh, in two weeks we're going to be doing a different Sunday school class next week, but if we need to talk more about this in a couple weeks, we can. Okay. Um, we never want to leave these unturned. We want to make sure that we answer every question as fully we can uh, in the allotted time, which we're already five minutes over. So, <laughs> All right. Well, let's pray, and um, hopefully this was helpful. Make sure you keep these. These are be helpful uh, to answer these type questions. Lord, we thank you so much for your word and the truths we find in it. Lord, we thank you that we have your word to turn to, uh, to, uh, to show society what we believe, to show believers uh, the truth and maybe where they're in error, and to uh, share your gospel with the unsaved world, Lord. And I pray that that would be our heart, uh, is to share the gospel with every person that we can uh, to see your kingdom grow. And Lord, I just uh, pray that your blessing would be upon today in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everyone. All right. Thank you.